The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am your social worker with the microphone with my co-host, Lauren Deller-Blake. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am well. I'm well, and I'm back in the country, back in my house. Um, made it back on Monday. Excellent. Uh, Safe and sound without any volcanic ash interfering or anything. Well, I think we got back by the skin of our skin of, teeth. because I think so too. We were, Yeah, I mean, because we were flying from uh, Poland, from Warsaw to Paris, Paris to JFK. And uh, in Paris, they didn't close the airlines or close the airports, but apparently they did in Scotland and in um, the the north, you know, Ireland. Definitely, uh, yeah. That's what I heard. I thought of you. Someone said to me, you know, why would you go? You know, you don't know if you're going to get back. And I said, you know, I'm going to go because... If I can't get back, I can't get back. But if I wait and don't go when now they say the going's good, exactly. um, then something another disaster is going to happen. And also you had no reason to come back. Like, who cares? Thank it's not like you, you have very little much. kids at home, you know? <laughs> I have to tell my kids that. Lauren said there was no reason to come back. What's in other words, you don't have, they don't need you to take care of them. You'll no, be back I, at some point. Yeah. It might take an extra week or an extra two weeks, but it's not like you had... You know, a dog sitter at home you had to let go, or, you know, two kids that, you know, needed you, tiny kids, you know what I mean? You're right. And, and, and what I found is you can do, or I can do, most, I have my computer and my telephone, and I can do that stuff wherever I am. Yeah. So if I don't have to get back for the kids, I can change appointments. Appointments can be changed. Exactly. I mean, I actually had a board meeting. I'm sitting on this new board. And it was my, it was the first board, it was the first board meeting that I should have attended and I wasn't there because I didn't know I was going to get on this board. And I just said, well, can I call in? Which I did. And so I attended the board meeting. Yeah. So those kinds of things I can do and then you cancel the rest. And yeah, if it's not the kids or the dog, um, you know, it's okay. Exactly. I mean, so anyway, so here I am. And, uh, it was a great trip. One of the best we had. I think the best that, one of our most, informative trips, because going to two different places, Turkey, Poland, very different, I, and the whole Poland thing was all about World War II, and I, it was just very, the whole experience was amazing. But um, Eye-opening, what was, what was amazing about it? I think I didn't realize, and maybe this isn't so, uh, that the Poles during World War II, well, of course, I was interested in all the Jewish stuff, and I mean, the, that had the biggest uh, population of uh, European Jewry, in the world was in Poland. A third oh, wow. of the city of Warsaw was Jewish, and they got completely wiped out, completely. And we went to visit Auschwitz and Treblinka, and we, I mean, and Barry took some, some Barry, my 
boyfriend who's a photographer, these amazing photographs. I have to send some of them to you. But um, and so the whole history of you know the Warsaw Ghetto and there was just so and we had a lot of guides and, and good information and um, and how the poles were just so devastated first by the Nazis in, in 1939 when they were invaded and then by Stalin after the war. Wow, so, uh, they you know their whole history was just so devastating. But anyway, it was just. Um, I guess I just didn't have a real sense of it, and um, but visiting those concentration camps was <clears throat> more educational than probably you wanted. Yeah, yeah, but really interesting. But yeah. I want to get back to, so I come home, but let's get back to reality. This is like reality TV. Tell uh-huh. me about this, because you and I can go into this. Um, I don't. We have no trouble talking about Bristol Palin. <laughs> Brist, have you read about her? No, I haven't. What's going on? I missed I missed that news. Well, go Bristol Palin, daughter of Sarah Palin, who is the spokesperson for uh with abstinence who had a baby at age Exactly. 17. Yep. Explain that to me. I can still <laughs> <laughs> But I I have to talk to Lauren about it because she's on she apparently and this is going to you're someone who does lectures and seminars all over the United States, Bristol Palin has going is going to be. She's in the speakers series seminar thing. Fifteen to thirty thousand dollars. Oh my god! A speech. Oh my god! I didn't hear this. How does that make you feel? <sighs> and it's only because of who she is. The only reason. There's no one else in the world that could pull that off. Who she is, what she is, what she's done, nothing. Exactly. It's actually sort of sad, actually. Don't you think, to me, I just find that appalling, and I just think that, you know, taking advantage of us and the public, well, I guess you can't take advantage of it. People are going to go and pay money to hear this. I mean, she just graduates. I mean, I looked at some of the blogs. They said, why isn't she in college? What's she doing? And why isn't she taking care of her baby? Yeah, well, I don't think either one of them. Where's their, exactly. Well, and then she was spotted. She was spotted, you know, she's the abstinence person. She was spotted at a nightclub at 1 o'clock in the morning in New York City. Oh, my goodness. And she particularly, I guess she says she's underage. She's not, you know, that they shouldn't have even let her in, but that she was looking. This is allegedly, I saw this on on one of the websites. So I say this allegedly, that she was looking around because she was really frightened because she thought somebody would recognize her, and I guess a couple people did. I'm sure. How could she's very recognizable? Uh Uh-huh. Well, the thing that I think is ridiculous is where we, the general public, is we're hiring her. So if we're, we're paying yeah. it, we're getting. I mean, we're encouraging it. So what do we do? Stop hiring people like her. Yeah, I, I mean, mean the there's, people. There's yeah, people that have I think much stronger messages, and are I mean, walking their talk in their message. What are we doing? We are. I think reality TV has just taken over, and that's what this is all about. I mean, this, you know, what, what's her message? I mean, what does she have to say? How are we spending our time? As you say, give energy to that which you want to grow. Is this exactly. the kind of stuff we want to grow? Is this the stuff that's going to help us to move on, to do I'm stuff? I'm wondering what the motivation is behind her um, in hiring her. What are they hoping that people will be inspired to do or not to do? Because her actions are going to be more inspiring than her words. We're supposed to abstain. Yeah, her actions are going to be more inspiring than her uh, words. It's crazy. I I just think it's crazy. And I think uh, I was thinking about this because I have like seven hours on the plane. I always, 
you know, to sit there and kind of meditate all over this stuff. I was thinking as a society, and you know, having been in Europe, um, you know, they've sort of they've grown out of the the or been going forward after World War II, and their, their cities are in good shape, their infrastructure, the roads, the food they eat is real food, not to say that they don't have some processed food or some McDonald's or the KFC, and that stuff is all there. But the um, I mean, we stop at a gas station, it's immaculate, and the United States, we're not taking care of ourselves. No, and the worst, I think, worst ever. It's worst really ever taking care of ourselves. We're obese. We're sick. If, you look, if you were to do a, um, I think if you were to take a temperature, if you will, a sort of a snapshot of where the country is health-wise, it's probably the worst health we've ever been in. So what do we do about that? I mean, it's really serious. And we ultimately spending... it will affect our, um, <clears throat> cap- you know, making money, and it's going to affect, you know, and then finally we're going to pay attention. Unfortunately, I think that we're so focused on making money that nothing else matters. And we're making money on things that are not healthy for the country. We're making money on it, the health care for 50% of us who are overweight or obese is billions of dollars a year. I mean, we're, wasted, we're spending money on things, on negative things, instead of positive things, and yeah. instead of healthy things. We're, we're sort of, it's, do you know what I... Yeah, I think yeah. that makes sense. And that's kind of, I think that's pretty, that's scary. And then we have these things that happen to us that we have no, well, we do have some control over, like the oil spill in Florida. Right. Uh, and then we continue to do the same thing. You know, just, we have short-term goals. Money, because of money. I mean, do you see that? I mean, you are a coach. You I do are a see business that. coach. You see, I mean, women, specifically women in business. Um, where are they heading? What are they doing? I mean, are they... Well, I do think that over... I just came from a women's conference, as you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I do think women overall, they're, every business that we, I hear about women getting into is doing something relatively good for our world. They may not be making as much money, and that's a big issue right now. You know, it's, a, it's been coming up over and over and over again in the blogs and, and some um, big magazines about women not making the same kind of money that men are making. And it, there's always been an issue. We talk about that all the time in the, in the women business industry. But I think overall the initiatives that women have are so for the good of the people. I, like an example, I mean, you don't have to re- reveal your clients, but like what businesses, what, because women are choosing businesses that are things that are good for the planet, good for themselves and their family, but not necessarily that are going to put them in the multi-million dollar there's, I mean, every, every woman that I can think of that I've worked with, it's just there's never, very seldom can I get, the, can I not feel good about getting behind what a woman is up to. There's never been a time. There was one particular woman, and um, I won't use her name, but she had a business that helped you know, in, inventors make things overseas. And at first I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing. Don't we want to keep it in the United States? And the more I understood what she was up to and the more I looked at the global situation in our world and our country, the more I was able to get behind her, especially after reading Daniel Pink's book. But there's not a business ever, a woman's business, that I've ever heard about that I didn't feel good about, Ever. So does that come from our psyche? I mean, if I mean, obviously we're coming from a different place than men. If 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 that's what I we're think doing, that it comes I mean, from do you find it like the whole Wall Street thing? Were there many women involved in that? Very few. That was actually I just read that article. It's so funny you bring that up. Very few women involved in that. Very few. 
you can, and I'm exaggerating, but you can count on one hand. And I'm not blaming, I don't think, but it's, we have a different value, set of values that have us do things for, um, that appease our values, one of which is making money, but it's not the only one. So what can we do? What can we do in a very proactive way? I, think help, I do. I, th- I think strongly about standing behind women business owners and how can we support them to make, to make their businesses more successful. You know, one particular woman I'm thinking of, um, and I've, <coughs> she has a, <clears throat> Excuse me. She has a um, consulting business. She's an employee currently of a large not-for-profit organization that does global work around the world. And she's moved up the ladder and become more and more prestigious, and almost famous, if you will. It's time for her to leave that company. I'm not going to use her name. It's time for her to leave that company. And I spoke with her at length this year. I'm working with her personally. And one of her things is when she gets to a certain dollar amount, which, mind you, is $50,000, it's not a lot of money. She's open. She's launching a not-for-profit to help her her home um, community in Africa. It's just amazing. It's just it's it's thoughtful. It's you thoughtful, know. and it also we are connected. You know, you said in the beginning that you weren't sure why someone would want to do something overseas. Why not stay in this country? We are connected. Absolutely, we are connected. <clears throat> what's healthy for other countries also it's healthy, healthy for, for us because we're. I agree connected. with that. Yes, monetarily, we're connected in, in lots of, well, in, in uh, health care, all of those ways. Anyway, It's all so. connected. When one person, it's like we, we don't see ourselves as one, and I think that's part of our problem. We're very much in the mindset of the United States is better than, and I think quickly we're going to not be. And, and you're, yeah, and, and I think that we don't see it. We need to see it. We say we communicate. We've got all this communication, but we don't feel it. We may see it. We may read about it. We aren't going to be, you know, the number one superpower, whatever that means, but we do not feel it. And I'm, and I hope we don't wait too long because we are not doing healthy things. That's why the next guest, and we're going to take a break now because we're, we've got just a few seconds left. Uh, he's going to come on or at the, uh, bottom of the hour is Dr. Ian K. Smith. And he's talking simple steps to get the most out of life and be happy. Excellent. That's all good stuff. Lauren Deller Blake and Catherine Zox, you're talking to us on Voice America. We're talking to you. <laughs> you can talk to us too on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. And don't go away because we'll be back in a minute. News. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program, Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The dream big revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the dream big revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Deller-Blake, VoiceAmericaVariety.com, and World Talk Radio. And you can call us if you have something to say or comment on what Lauren and I are saying. It's 866 866- Four seven two five seven eight seven eight six six four seven two five seven eight seven. Because we're talking about pretty heady, heady stuff this morning. Uh, uh, we're not talking well, about we're talking real issues. Like these are big, real issues of our world. That if we each individually don't figure out how to get our arms around, and we each can't, the whole we are, can't leave it to somebody else. And we need to be responsible, Lauren. We are the most think about it educated people in the world. We have. High school education, college education, graduate school, and then we spend time watching reality TV, not wanting to deal with reality. I mean, you and I were talking during the break about this whole oil spill in, in Florida, which is going to have far-reaching implications. We don't even—I I don't think we can even imagine what they are. I opened, actually, it was the Wall Street Journal, the International Wall Street Journal that they give you on the plane that you can read, mm-hmm. and they're talking about. Th- 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 I mean, this. This drove me crazy. They're talking about the oil spill, or there's an article about the oil spill, and it talks about, well, how it may, it's going to affect certain of the, the floor, you know, the, the animal life, the marine life in the ocean. Yep. But it probably won't go and up on the beach, and it won't affect any of the marine life on the beach. And I thought, this is the Wall Street Journal? No way. Uh, <laughs> what? I, I mean, that's insane. It's insane. I mean, it's absolutely insane. It's going to affect the whole ecosystem. And... It's impossible that it cannot. Of course. 
it's ridiculous. But is it because they're afraid that we're not going to, Americans, are, we're so soft, we can't really accept or, you know, the reality of... I think it goes back to we can't take responsibility for our actions. Do you think that's it? The... I do. I think that we cannot take responsibility for our actions. Or we've been so pampered, or we've lived this kind of pampered lifestyle that we don't like things that don't, that aren't, that we don't see are happy and make us feel good. We're like this kind of feel good. I mean, I like to feel good, but uh, on the other hand, you have to. I also like to take responsibility and hope and make change and address the, the tough stuff. Exactly. That's what this is about, though, addressing the tough stuff. And I think when you go overseas or you go outside of your own little cocoon, you realize that the world is one. You know, we are one as human nature. It's true. And also you make the comparison between what you're doing, and especially, especially when you're in a country that's a first world. You know, we were, this trip, we were in Western Europe, first world country, um, so you're, you're sort of not comparing apples and oranges like when you go to third world countries. You are yep. comparing yourself to other countries. Yeah. Other, you know, um, the here's an example. You were talking about taking care. Of, first, you have to take care of yourself individually. Then you have to take care of your family, and then you have a responsibility to the people in your community and the world. I think. So we were in the airport in in uh, Charles de Gaulle, which is a brand new airport in uh, in Paris, and. It is not only is it architecturally pleasing and beautiful, but the restaurants were lovely. The food they served, the drinks, the cheeses, everything was was um, well done. Good food. Um, we can do the same thing. Absolutely. We don't do that. Yeah, we do not. We don't know how to do that anymore. We don't nurture ourselves in the right way. Now, so did we solve the? <laughs> No, I, but I do think the, the way to solve it is going back to self-responsibility. You know, it's keeping our, I mean, I, it's, uh, I'm moving in a couple of weeks, as you know. I'm moving from Austin to San Diego. I don't, and I'm not paying for the move. Corporate America is paying for the move. But I want to be sure that every room in my house has gone through by me to throw away anything that doesn't need to be moved across the country. It's like personal responsibility of, is that, you know, don't move junk. You know, it's just it's personal responsibility in every nook and cranny of our life. You know what are we putting into our bodies? How are we treating our kids? Um, you know it's just it's everything. What are we throwing away that the garbage man just picked up this morning? You know it's everything. And how can we look ourselves in the mirror and say what can I do to be better today? Yeah. That's I think where we have to start. I agree with you. So you're doing that. You're, I mean, is this a a new start in San Diego. I mean, I, not really, because I think you're one of those people who are always conscious of those issues that you just mentioned. But you're right, transporting junk across the country. Hey, start with that. Just Don't because someone else that. is going to pay for it. Yeah. Just because someone else is going to pay for it. So it'll be very different because it's going to be a different culture. I think San Diego is going to be a different culture than Austin, Texas. To some extent. I think it's a very comparable um, culture in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's very Austin's a very liberal um, little community within a very conservative state. Where I think San Diego is a more conservative city in a more liberal state. So I think I'm going to get a little. I'm going to. I think it's going to be pretty similar. Now, I could be wrong. I look forward to learning. And San Diego is supposed to be. I think just in terms of the outside, the 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 countryside. The, it's on the. It's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it's. I've been to San Diego. Yeah. 
You haven't been to San Diego? No. Oh, well, you know what? You weren't in Austin until you came to visit me, so now you're going you're gonna to have to come to San Diego. I'll be there. But I do think that, you know, we can talk about these big global issues, the oil spill. To me, that is, I mean, I can't fix the oil spill, but what I can fix is what did I throw in the garbage today? Well, my kids tell me that I should not be driving my SUV, that I am contributing to the oil spill. That was one of the first things. I Interesting, and I agree sentences. with that. Do you agree with that? I do, and here I am, with a, a, currently a two-car family. I just gave up my car last week, big, huge deal, um, because my lease was up, and my husband said, well, rather than get another car, why don't you wait till we get in San Diego? Well, i got to tell you, I kicked and I screamed, and I didn't want to do that. I was being a spoiled brat. I, I want a car, and I want it now, I thought. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? Let me be realistic. It's three weeks that I'm going to be without a car. And not without it, that we're going to have to communicate better as a family um, because we have one car here and one car in San Diego. And let me tell you, they're big-ass cars. I hate driving them. They're his cars, not my cars. And I hate driving a big car. So when you get to San Diego, are you going to make a different choice in terms of the car that you purchase? <sighs> you know, you I'm leave? thinking about it. I, haven't, I have some time to decide. I, my goal is to buy a green car, but I don't like them. Why don't you like them? I, that's what I say. I'm not sure that I even know. I haven't driven a green car. I mean, I've had my car for three years. It's a big well, I love my car. I, I drive a cute little convertible BMW. I love my car. Well, that's, and that's not green. It's not, but I could get a diesel BMW. And what about the ones that are hybrids? Are yes, they, there's a they great been... Lexus hybrid. They're supposed to be. My mother just told me about it. But, I, you know, it's not a little cute convertible, which I love wind in my hair. And I love to be protected by my tank. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I totally understand. So it, there's a place of where I look. I listen to both of us, and here we are, relatively responsible people. But this is a place that m- my comfort comes above taking care of the planet. But Lauren, mine is sort of like we're talking about it, and I think you have to keep up the dialogue. And I always have my boys kind of after me for it, and I. I tuck it away and I don't want to really talk about it, but now I'm talking about it with you, making it real, as you say, probably should write it down. So when I need a new car, probably next year or the year after, that I would feel too guilty buying another big tanker. And right, that I re- right. Yeah, and that's, I think, what I have to keep, that's why I have to keep talking about it, because then we have this oil spill, and, you know, it's my car millions of times over, or your car, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's true, and so it's interesting because I think there's lots of issues that other people and you, know, you and I might disagree with somebody else, but because they have a personal preference, which comes in the way of global or personal responsibility when it comes to global issues. And I just think we have to be honest with ourselves about, okay, I'm going to, in this area, I'm going to um, be a little more conservative when it comes to garbage and throwing things away. In this area, I might be a little less conservative when it comes to the kind of car I'm driving. Now, I haven't decided what I'm going to do. I need to go and be serious about looking, you know? That's the whole car thing. And I'm really going to be serious about it the next time. And I have because <laughs> I'm going green. I go, I've gone green in the kitchen. Hey, I've gone green in so many places in my life. Me too. I've gone green. I, don't, I buy green products. All, so, you know, it takes time. It doesn't happen all at once. Correct. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Lauren Deller-Blake, Catherine Zox, you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com World Talk Radio. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Don't go away because we have Dr. Ian Smith. And his new book is Happy, Simple Steps to Get the Most Out of Life, which is kind of what we've been talking about. (laughs) 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. If your pets could talk, they'd tell you to tune in to Pet Shop Talk. Join internationally recognized animal massage therapist Lola Jean Michelin every week for a show that covers everything from nutrition, health care, and training for your pet or animal. Lola and her guest experts will bring you the latest trends in the pet care industry. And even if you're not a pet owner, you'll find out why pets do the crazy things they do. Tune in each Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with my co host Lauren Beller Blake. You're listening to Voice America Variety. Dot com World Talk Radio. We are the largest Internet station in the world, and you can call us if you have questions or comments, 866-472-5787. Our next guest is going to be Dr. Ian Smith, quite a guy, MD. By the way, Dr. Smith is, uh, Lauren, he graduated from Harvard and Harvard Medical School. Wow. Yeah, smart guy. Uh, his first book, or uh, one of his books, was the New York Times best-selling the Fat Smash Diet, and now his new book is called Happy, Simple Steps to Get the Most Out of Life. And here we have Dr. Smith. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Oh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. It's great. Okay, happiness for the 21st century Americans. We have a problem with happiness, don't we, Doctor? I mean, we don't seem to, we're not, you would think with all that we have uh, that we would be happy, but I guess most of us, are not happy, and for whatever reason, well, that's what you talk about in the book. So, anyway, um, what makes us happy? Why aren't we happy? Well, we're not happy. I mean, if you look at um, a recent study, the U.S. is ranked 23rd in happiness of the world, the countries in the world, and Denmark is ranked number one, and it's 
a very interesting picture when you juxtapose them. Here you have Denmark, a country that is in a pretty bad climate, very small, no natural resources to speak of, no military power that we always talk about, and the citizens aren't particularly wealthy. You look at the U.S., which has all these indicators of supposed power, and we're 23rd and they're number one. And I think the major reason is because we attach our happiness to the wrong things. Mm-hmm. This is what the Danes say. The Danes say that they would love to have it all, but they realize that they can't. And therefore, what they do have, they're grateful for. Mm-hmm. Americans say, well, I have a 3-series BMW. Now I need to work to get a 5-series. Then I need to work to get a 7-series. So we have such a different outlook on how we live our life and what we attach our happiness to. And so in my new book, Happy, um, I go through what the science has shown us about where the best place is to attach your happiness and things you can do, simple things you can do right away to boost your happiness. We call them them happiness boosters. So all of Chapter 9 are things that have been shown that can boost your happiness by up to six months. The good news is that everyone can be happy. There's no doubt about it. But you have to do things to make yourself happy. It just doesn't always come naturally. All right, so Dr. Smith, take us back a little bit. So you're making the comparison between Denmark and the United States. Our expectations for happiness are different. Um, You point out in the book that we, what we expect is going to make us happy doesn't necessarily do that. So before we talk about how we can rectify that, what are the things that we, or the BMW may be one, and Lauren, you have a BMW, don't you? I do, and I love it, and I don't want a 5 Series. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I, would, I love my 3 Series, and I just gave it up at last week, so this is funny. Wow. Well, it's interesting that um, if you look at this a little further, I think people confuse pleasure with happiness. Now, pleasure and happiness are not the same thing, but no. pleasure is a part of happiness. Pleasure occurs when you buy a brand-new handbag, when you get a new car, when, you, um, um, when your team wins a, a sporting event. That's pleasure. Happiness is more. Happiness is pleasure, the experience of pleasure, but also the feeling of meaningfulness, the feeling of being engaged in something. And therefore, pleasure is at, at such a, a, a superficial level, whereas happiness is much deeper than that. And so pleasure can go away, by the way. You know, you buy a new suit that you're excited about, but after, you know, a year, that suit kind of gets to the back of the closet. You're not exactly happy about it anymore. But, and that's why we like to distinguish between what is pleasure and what is happiness. What I'm talking about in the book is how do you find real happiness that stays with you, that makes you feel good inside, and allows you to be optimistic even when things around you are not so optimistic, even when you're having tough times. So talk to us about, and you talk about this in the book, and I think it's real important, the happiness set point. Because some people, it seems, will be happy. There are people who are happy even if you look at their life and say, boy, I wouldn't be happy under those circumstances. And other people, it seems, well, they they say, you know, I, I remember complaining to my mother about a month ago, and she's 86. Seven years old. I hope she's not listening because she doesn't let me tell her age. But <laughs> I said um, I was. I don't know what I was complaining about. And she said, "You know, Catherine, you have so much to be happy for. Mm. You have so much. You have so much. And you know, wow. I, it just just the way she said it. I it, it's, it really affected me. And I thought every time now when I'm complaining about something, I think about that. But the happiness set point. What yeah. is that? I mean, some people are born happy, just babies. You know, some yeah. are just happier than other babies. Yeah. Even my, tem- my temethold is one of them. Let me explain to you how it works. 
there was a big scientific study that's very well uh, regarded in the scientific circles that talks about what percentage of our happiness is genetic. So they decided that they, they decided that fifty percent of our happiness we're born with. We have no control over. Just like you have no control over your height or the texture of your hair, it's genetic. So that's fifty percent of your happiness. But there's forty percent you can control. So what does this really mean, uh, practically speaking? Your fifty percent of happiness may say that uh, you know happiness be on a scale of zero to five. You genetically may be a happiness of two. That's your level. But the forty percent you can control by your own actions may help you boost that two up into a three or four. And so that's the part that matters, and that's why I wrote the book. Because, yeah, you can't change if you are predisposed to being an unhappy person or a really happy person, but you can boost it up. And your, that happiness set point we talk about is kind of where you're born, where, what you're destined to be, but you can move that set point um, up and down based on what you do. And optimism is a big part of it, by the way, but so is that whole chapter of these boosters Five random acts of kindness is an example of things that you can do to boost your happiness by up to six months. And so what I love about the book and what I love about the research of the book is that the book is very practical to people. It's not just kind of this philosophical treatise on what is happiness. It then gives you an action plan. Every chapter has a short exercise you do at the end of the chapter that show you, that guide you, and then teach you how actually you can get happiness and where you're going wrong right now and why you may not be finding some happiness. Yeah, the book is very specific, as you say. It's not just a philosophy of happiness. So you can take this book and, and go through chapter by chapter and be very specific about how you, one can change their life. But in the beginning of the book, Dr. Smith, you write about your, for, your epiphany about this whole happiness thing. Uh, so, you know, tell us what, um, you know, how you came to the point of realizing, you know, of not just writing the book, but sure. your first epiphany about happiness, which was on your honeymoon when you got married. Sure. Well, first of all, let's talk, I mean, epiphanies are important in life, by the way, and epiphanies are that moment, that aha moment, Oprah likes to say, that you have, and we get several of them, you know, but they're not always those big moments, so you've got to look for the epiphanies. My epiphany happened when I was on my honeymoon halfway around the world, and here I was with my beautiful bride. Um, spending as much time as possible trying to connect to the Internet so I could keep track of what was going on at work back in New York City. And I'm, I'm you know, doing all these kind of, going through all these kind of maneuvers to make sure I'm at the computer at the right time and doing this and doing that. And finally, one of the resort workers who would have to transport me to the lodge from where I was staying because it was uh, a dark resort, the transporter finally started questioning me about my fascination with the Internet. And he basically, in a very polite way, lectured me on what is happiness and what is important in life. And here I was, you know, a guy who had so much, being lectured by a guy who was making $200 a month. That's what he brought home. And he was extremely happy and extremely content with what he had. And he was putting a mirror up to my face, saying, here you are with all that you have, and yet you're still trying to get connected. Relax, slow down, enjoy life. And it was such a moment for me, and it made me realize that, you know, here I was caught up in this rat race where, you know, you acquire things and then you want to acquire the next thing, and you never sit there and, and say to yourself, but what is really making me happy? And what I realized what really made me happy was my family and my friends and my relationships with them, spending quality time. That made me happy. I had pleasure from having a great career and being able to buy a nice suit every once in a while, but that was pleasure. That wasn't happiness. My true happiness was the quality of time I spent with those who I loved. 
Well, is it difficult for you to stay on track? I mean, you had this epiphany, you realize, and you had it, you had to realize it, you had to be aware, and then you, did you change things in your own life dramatically, or did no. you, no? No. The honest answer is no. You know, it took me another probably year and a half, two years, um, to realize what this lesson was, what this epiphany was saying to me, um, and it, and by the way, let me be very clear. It's not that you can't strive for success. It's not that you can't want nice things. Completely fine with that. But it's where you put your importance. It's where you put the significance. It's where you attach your happiness. I was attaching my happiness to a car. I was attaching it to my promotion at work when really my happiness was at home. It was really what I was doing with my friends and being able to meet up with them and have a nice dinner with them and have a nice conversation. And so it took me about a year and a half or two years. But let me tell you, once I got it, my life became so much simpler, and I became less stressed because if things didn't work out perfectly, that's okay. I was fine with that. And where before I'd be so stressed and so anxious that everything had to be perfect and I was a high-strung person, that totally went away from me. But you're also a very – what do you say to people who say, okay, but you innately, you're very smart, you went to Harvard, you're very talented. I mean, you even write about in the book you were always the – lead in the school play or you were the best student in the class so you have all these assets to begin with which are going to just put you you know way up there on the happiness scale anyway maybe i don't i don't know if i really was smart um mm-hmm. my two assets i'm very confident about my two assets were w- work ethic my grandfather and mother instilled in me a tremendous work ethic where the harder you work the more successful you are. That was number one. And the other thing was I've always been an extremely curious person. I like to know things that may be completely irrelevant. They may be the smallest of details, but I just like to know. I have a huge thirst for knowledge. Those two things propelled me to attain and achieve academically. And then, of course, later in life, gave me opportunities to attend the best schools and to have a great career. So I don't know if I was a gifted kid. In t- I mean, I may have some intelligence, but I don't know how smart I was. I think I was a hard worker who wanted information. And then when I, once I got that information, I liked to process it. But in my book, In Happy, I talk about how, um, you know, you can take the skill sets you have. There's one whole chapter that says, play to your strengths. All of us have strengths, by the way. Some of us are intelligent. Some of us are good organizers. Some of us, you know, you know, there's this whole list of what we call signature strengths. And the research shows that if you focus on those things that you're strong in, then that will lead to a happier life. See, I, Lauren, I don't know what you I think that's really key because I think a lot of us are always striving to be great at everything, to, you know, whatever it is, and not being able to take a look, as you say, Dr., like at your own individual strengths and then work on that. It sounds simple, but we don't do it for some reason, or many of us don't do it. We're going to take a break right now. We're talking to Dr. Ian Smith, MD, author of Happy Simple Steps to Get the Most Out of Life, and you can get his book online or at bookstores everywhere, but we'll be back. Dr. Smith, Lauren, Catherine's Oxford Social Worker, with the microphone on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experienced Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back with Dr. Ian Smith, MD, author of Happy Simple Steps to Get the Most Out of Life. We haven't been, when we haven't, uh, this is Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with my co host, Lauren Deller Blake, VoiceAmericaVariety.com, if you're just joining us. But uh, we haven't stopped talking. We were talking through the break. So I, I'd like to continue with that, Dr. Smith, because you're talking about, because uh, I, I think it's, we, we're talking about, because Lauren and I have been talking about this recent oil spill. How do we relate that to what we've been talking about, uh, you know, about in terms of your book and happiness and how we perform as individuals? Sure. I think, I think that a big part of happiness is a better understanding of where you are, what you are, and your relativity to the world. I say in part of the book that happy people are spiritual people. And by that I mean it's not religion, by the way. They're spiritual people in the sense of that they realize that they are part of something bigger than them. Happy people do not believe the world revolves around them. They believe that they are part of the revolution revolving around something else. That's very, very critical. And I think that knowledge, the continuing, uh, continual seeking of knowledge and understanding what's going on in our environment, understanding what's going on in politics, in the world, that makes us much more prepared to take advantage of finding our happiness because we have such a a wide understanding of things, people who are closed-minded or who are not open or have not tasted different things, um, they have a very limited ability to understand what true happiness is. So how does reality TV fit into this? Because to me that's short-term, that's exactly the opposite of what you're saying, and yet it seems that the American public are addicted to this kind of stuff, and you know, and and that I I don't see that as healthy. Um, Are are we... well, I look at reality TV different. I look at reality TV as what it is. I mean, reality TV is just 
it's an artistic expression. I, I don't, I don't play, and I've been involved in a reality TV show for years, so let me be very upfront. I don't place any <laughs> um, seven seasons. I don't place any real value, any kind of societal value, on reality television. I accept it for an art form, just like music is an art form, just like movies is an art form. That's what reality television is. I think that unfortunately, the art form has lent itself or has uh, made itself vulnerable. Uh, to some really bad, um, some really bad portrayals of people for some bad uh, societal behavioral patterns. I think it's very dangerous. However, art is art, and art should be free. Now, that being said, um, I believe that you don't find happiness in these reality shows. And by the way, these people who are on these shows are typically very unhappy people. Mm. They're typically unhappy, and they're insecure, and they're looking for 15 minutes of fame. You see, they've placed their happiness in the wrong place. They think that by being on the cover of People magazine or being under the bright lights or walking the red carpet, that that's going to bring happiness. I know as a fact from dealing with a lot of celebrities on my own show that that doesn't bring happiness. It brings confusion and it brings really a lot of disappointment. I wish I could give my book to a lot of these reality stars to let them know that happiness has nothing to do with what their next gig is, but happiness is what they do at home and what they do for others. And why can't you give them the book? Well, no, no, I will, I will, but I'm saying I wish I could, I don't have access to everybody, but those on my show get a copy of the book, but, but, but I wish that people, and if they can't get a copy of the book, I wish they could read online. Uh, my website is called happysimplesteps.com, but my goal for this book, just to be very clear, my goal for this book is to give people hope. Uh, people are having a very difficult time in America right now. They're between jobs, can't find a job, home foreclosures, car notes, you name it. Uh, the wars, they're going to third and fourth tours of duty at war. My hope with this book is that people will re read this book and realize, wow, even amidst all this turmoil that's surrounding me, I still can find some happiness and life can mean something to me again. That's why I hope people get out of this book. And I, well, I certainly got it. I mean, and reading your book, I think that I mean those are the themes. Obviously, you touched on. And I got uh, the main thing you mentioned is, I think summing it up is how to be and not just do. And I yeah. think that's what we get into that just really being just how to be and yeah. not just do. And that's what you really specifically point out in the book. And I'm going to mention the website again: happysimplesteps.com. So, um, you know. Have we been specific enough in terms of, I mean, we, listeners have to go out and buy the book and you, you go through it and chapter by chapter you give really great suggestions, but um, getting outside of oneself, community, family, those are all the important things. Um, but we're bombarded. I mean, how do you go, I mean, Dr. Smith, every single day with, we tr I keep mentioning television, Internet, buy, do this, bigger is better, competition. How do we kind of, fight that off or ignore it or yeah well it's interesting um there's a whole chapter called simplicity is bliss and the idea behind that chapter is exactly what you're speaking about we're bombarded on a daily basis with so much stuff whether it's digital whether it's work whether it's you know tasks that we have to perform and what i try to explain in the book is at some point you have to spend just five minutes to sit down and figure out what is really most important to you for my mother, for example, she loves to fish. That's important to her. It relaxes her. It makes her feel good. So fishing is critical to her. And so I would say to her, well, you tell me that you love to fish, but you fill your day up with all these things that are going to take you away from fishing. 
when are you going to arrange your schedule or your list of priorities so that you become a priority? And I think that one of the problems in America is that we have been, we've done a great job at making everything else a priority but ourselves. And mothers, by the way, are the leading examples of this. Mothers take care of everyone else, and they put themselves last all the time. Mm-hmm. And so in the book and the chapter, Simplicity is Bliss, I talk about strategies and ways that you can make, create what I call your importance list and figure out how do you spend time about things that matter most to you. Listen, we're still going to have to take the dry cleaning in, still going to have to go to the grocery store, even if we don't like to do those things. We've got to do them. But how do we rebalance our schedule, rejigger it so that we can spend a lot more time on things that are much more meaningful to us? So what did your mother say? Your mother likes to fish. This is what she loves to do, yet she's doing all the other stuff. And you're saying to her, hey, Mom, why aren't you making time for that? So does she have an excuse for it? or what? Absolutely. She says that um, she needs to pay her bills and that she needs to do certain things to pay her bills. And my answer to her was quite simple. You have bills because you're doing things you don't necessarily need to do. You don't have to have these bills. You have these bills because you want these bills. You could eliminate these bills by giving up some of the stuff that you're involved in and then spend the balance of that time fishing. And she said, you're right. You know, I mean, she's, she, so she's, she's participating in things she's, that aren't as important as fishing. They are costing her, and now she's got to work to pay that off. And so now she's spending not just the time doing things she's not very excited about, but now she's spending time trying to get the money to pay for it, and that's all taken away from what she really loves to do, which is fishing and visiting her grandchildren. And so she had the aha moment herself and said, yeah, you're right. I could do away with a couple of these things that are less important. It's all about that importance list. Yeah, and I think the whole thing, you mentioned the word, and it, it always comes up, stuff. You get, we get bogged down in our stuff. Um, and uh, I think, right, you know, sort of even before I read your book, I've started giving away the stuff, getting, because when you have a lot of stuff, you have to have, take, as you say, then you have to take responsibility for it. So all your emotional energy is involved in maintaining your stuff, whether mm-hmm. it's the big car or the big house or the big trip mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is. And then... Yeah there's no time left over to go fishing, whatever your going fishing is. That's right. That's right. And, and, and that's why in the book, these, these exercises, someone said to me, they read the book, they said, first of all, Dr. Ian, you changed my life with this book. But they said, some of these exercises were tough for me because it made me really look at myself. It made me really ask some tough questions that I've not asked myself in a very long time. And that's the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is to really make you think about you and nobody else, no other distractions, but figure out what is it that makes you who you are and what you want to be. Simplicity is bliss, Lauren. That's the, one of the chapters. That, I love that. Yes, yeah, simplicity is bliss. It's easy. One thing I do, I do digital holidays. Some weekends, no cell phones, no email, no Internet, just spending time with my family and friends. That's making things simple again. You know, we're always on BlackBerry, sending instant messages, Twitter and all these things. You know what? Spend a weekend of doing none of that and go back to basics. It's so relaxing. I never thought, I've never taken a digital holiday. I mean, I was just bragging about I was in Europe. To, Lauren, we were talking about earlier, and I had all my equipment and I had all my <laughs> cell phones. <laughs> and I was so excited because I could go to my meetings in the hotel room and I could do all this. So I wasn't really taking a digital holiday. Which, Not at all. No, because, and that is a great expression. I have to try that. I love that, yeah. It, it's great. It's, now, listen, I've got to tell you, it's a little nerve-wracking at first because when it first happened to me, my hands were shaking because I was reaching for my <laughs> blackberry all the time. But then you realize 
how nice it is not to have your cell phone ringing, not have to respond to your BlackBerry, just doing what is next to do in the course of the day. It's, it's so much fun to do that for a weekend. We have 30 seconds, but I just have to ask you, do you actually not take it with you? Let's say you're go- you don't take your cell phone with you. Let's say if you're going somewhere, you just turn it off. You turn it off, and you make a deal with yourself that it's going to stay in the bag. Simple as that. That's Thank how you. it works. You have to, listen, you have to find the time to make the time for yourself. And if America did a better job of making ourselves a priority and taking care of ourselves and loving ourselves a lot more, we'd be a lot happier nation than we are instead of putting our happiness in things that don't, at the end of the day, don't matter. That car, at the end of the day, is not going to matter. You can't take it with you when you die, by the way, and you can't take those suits or those handbags. But what you can do is leave a great legacy of doing good things for other people and having a full life. HappySimpleSteps.com. And we're going to say goodbye, Dr. Ian Smith. Happy Simple Steps to Get the Most Out of Life. You can buy the book online, bookstores everywhere. Thanks so much for being on the show. You're really inspirational. We appreciate it. Thank you. It was wonderful. Great conversation. We're going to say goodbye, Lauren. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) I am Catherine Zox, and you've been listening to us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.